last two years of, of undergrad, I was with Florida basketball. I traveled oh, yeah. with the team. I was with them every day. Like it was an amazing experience. I did. Who was the Florida Who was the coach? Dive. Donovan, Billy is it, Donovan. Is it Billy? That's sick. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So it was awesome to see Billy. A bunch of other assistant coaches under him at that time went on to be head coaches. Right. Uh, Larry Shy went on to be head coach of Wyoming. Greg Lanier went on to be yep. staff at Texas. Um, Rick Patino Jr. <laughs> What's up, everyone? Welcome to Relatively Uncharted. I'm Ryan. And I'm Nick. And we're cousins here just talking about anything and everything. Each week, we'll bring on a different guest, find out who they are and what they love to do. And while we're getting ready for our next guest, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons below. Here we go. All right, welcome everybody. We got Tyler Schuster on the podcast today. He's an exciting guest of ours. Uh, welcome, Tyler. What's up? What's up, guys? Glad to be here. Glad you're here, man. Glad you're here. Um, we got you on here because uh, you and I kind of met uh, at a real estate convention and sort of stayed in touch and developed this friendship. And uh, a lot of the stuff I learned about you is kind of similar to uh, what, what Ryan here is doing. And I thought you guys would have mm-hmm. some pretty good stuff to, to chat about, you know, sort of share each other's sure. journeys and, and understand it. But really appreciate having you, man. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I'm I'm always uh, happy to chat. I mean, just like how you and I's relationship developed, it was funny. It's like you go to some of these uh, conferences or networking events and you sit next to someone, you know, you may go to a couple and really not hit it off of anybody, or you may go to one and hit it off of someone right away. And, and me and you, I think we just sat next to each other and it was like, let's make a conversation <laughs> and then start learning about each other. And, and then there you go. And, uh, you know, I think it's cool when things like that happen and, you know, kind of goals and interests align. It's like you can develop a friendship or a relation, working relationship or something like that and uh, go from not knowing to someone to, you know, potentially <laughs> going to Cabo them together. or, yeah, yeah, or, <laughs> share, or share, sharing a room in Cabo together, you know, like that just yeah. is, uh, you never know. And that was within the span of what, <laughs> four, four months, four or five months. We, we met in a room man. together. So, yeah. so, and yeah. that was a great time. So definitely, uh, things like that, being able to have opportunities. It's, it's, it's fun to put yourself out there cause you never know where it can take you. Yeah. yeah there's a little bit of bromance there for sure, but uh, we'll, we'll tell the audience of, you know, that True. combo trip and everything and uh, give it, give a little context. Uh, no, no lies told get away there. From... <laughs> yeah. It was an epic trip. Though, exactly. man. A lot of fun. We're going to, we're going to chat about that for sure. But yeah, I mean, you said for it sure. like, so, I'm going to be real. Like, so I, I'm very shy and like, uh, I just get nervous in public settings. Like, uh, I find it hard to walk up to someone and introduce myself. Even if you're there with like several thousand people, all with the same goal, same agenda out there to, you know, connect and network about real estate. I still have this, like, you know, this nervous block, like, what do I say? Like, <laughs> like, hi, you know, I, I'm doing real estate. Like, it's honestly that simple. Right. And I think that's how it started. Um, yeah, you know, we were at the, t- yeah, no, no, that's, I that's think, literally how it was. I, I think we're, but we were both kind of like, we're just trying to get things going and we're just out here and we see these big shots, you know, 
you know, out here doing big numbers, stuff that I think it's really hard to, uh, you can get wrapped up in it because there's a small percentage of people who are doing some of the numbers that you see people doing on social media. And I think my goal, you know, when chatting with you guys today is to realize like sometimes you might have one little baby project and you're just really happy about getting that. I, I think that's a win right there because you're taking a step. A lot of people just continue to scroll and they don't ever actually take the step, but you showing up to the meeting, you showing up to the conference, you showing up to the networking event. And then eventually leading to you like actually pulling the trigger on an investment. I mean, you're, you're just taking the steps. It's not necessarily glamorous. Like some of these guys who flip 30 properties a month or however many a year. And then they do this and have all these rentals. It's not, it's not always going to be like that, but I think, uh, you know, you guys just have me on this podcast. It's really like, I'm just happy to talk about how, you know, small guys can make small steps. And the beautiful thing about that is, that can compound over 10, 20 years, you know, just those small steps you take now, it can add up, right? You're not going to accelerate like most people, but if you can accelerate at your pace and you're make, taking those steps, I mean, it can have a big effect. Yeah. I think that's the point too, right? Is like, you know, you go to the conference and you, you think you look at all these dudes that are all, all these, all these investors um, that are doing big deals and you're like, yeah, I, I closed, you know, 1 million in my first month or of the year, whatever it is, like just throw out some crazy number that seems way unachievable in your own own world. But like, just like you and I, they started right at, at somewhere and um, built it up, you know, compounded. They got that first, first deal, eventually got to 10, got to 20, whatever it is. Um, but seriously, right. they make those, they made those baby steps, which For is sure. amazing. Um, and, um, but I mean, so yeah, and, you're going to be on here to tell us your, your bird deal, um, in, in Detroit that, uh, you know, I saw you, I don't know if you had any other ones, uh, since then, but I know that you're taking mm -hmm. those actual steps and you're, you're doing all the things and, um, <clears throat> right, wrong. Like you're, you're paving, paving forward, right. That's the whole point. So, um, yeah, but yeah, it can, it can yeah. be, uh, can be scary, but like, as long as you're making a step, Maybe it's a misstep, but it's still like a step in the direction towards the, you know, the end goal. So, um, that's gotcha. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate it. But, um, so are you guys going to do your updates or how does it, how does this work? How do you, do we jump right into it? Or? Oh, we're in baby. We don't have too many updates right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Ryan, you got any special updates? Um, uh, not currently. Not currently. <laughs> We, uh, so we have picked up some momentum. We had, we have picked up some momentum. Um, and we sort of started taking this a little bit seriously, reaching out to a lot more people. Um, Tyler, I know you were, you were I reached out to you a while ago. You're like, yeah, let's do this. So like, I know I had you in the books, um, from, from day one, but we're starting to pick up some traction. A lot more people are listening and been, you know, providing support, which is, which is really great to, to feel, you know, um, we're, it's a, like, it's incredible that you guys are doing this. I mean, honestly, I I've I've been wanting to do this, but I'm kind of like in a situation where I am trying to like do a lot of things, and it, it's totally true that when you really focus on something is when you really see the fruits of your labor. Um, you know, I do have a day job. I I kind of moonlight as a commercial real estate agent and an investor. 
Um, I'm also trying to start a software company. Um, so that allows me to work a little bit more remote, but I, I will tell you that <clears throat> when I was really trying to focus on the real estate agent aspect of my career, and I was consistently trying to leverage social media because obviously we we follow guys and they're talking about like, hey, why why don't you why aren't you posting? You need to be posting. It's a tool to you know gain customers or gain followers or, or have an audience that you can leverage because influence is very powerful. And I totally agree. Um, you do have to make sure you set yourself up in the right format to do that. Like if you're an individual person that's looking to talk about something you care about, um, don't do what I did and try to film one video a day because it's going to stress you out. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, batch filming, batch filming is key. And I wouldn't try to hire anybody to do anything for you. I would figure it out on your own. So like batch film, like 30, 30 video ideas, batch film them, spend a couple hours to edit all of them and then just put them out there. And then at some point, like give yourself a break so that you can like batch film again. I was trying to film one video a day and it would take me an hour to film it. Cause I would like make mess ups and reshoot stuff. Then it would take me an hour to two hours to film it. And this was me like on my lunch break trying to film, you know, <laughs> like some at breaks Rushing during the it. day. And I, and I, yeah. And I was, I was, I'm working at nine to five. So there was that, and then I come home, and then you know you got life at home. You have your, you know your wife or your significant other, or other responsibilities. So then you were like, so I'd be like eight thirty at night sometimes, eight thirty nine o'clock at night, and I was like, dude, I still haven't filmed a video, and I'd be like stressed about it, like, oh no, I gotta get that video out. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta stay consistent, and it was, it took a really big toll on me. So my suggestion is definitely do it, but set yourself up for success. Don't set yourself up to get burnt out like I did because I need to get back to it. I just haven't because I haven't taken the right steps to, to make sure I'm set up that way. But I will tell you that when I was posting, I posted 60 days straight. I went from like 300 followers to like 1,025. Now that's like small numbers, but like 60 days, 700 followers to me was a big deal. That's big growth. And if I would have kept posting, yeah, if I would have kept posting, who knows where I'd be at? Like maybe I'd be at 20,000, 30,000. I just couldn't, I just ran out of steam, but I have a good yeah. friend who literally, and when you understand that it's all just a formula, social media is a formula. It's not, Hey, this guy posted better than mine or this, whatever. I mean, some of it has to do with like your camera quality and things like that. But I have a friend, he just kept posting. He would batch film. Um, he was in construction, so he would just film all his stuff through the week. He would just film him doing stuff, and then Friday, Saturday, he would just edit it all. And then he would just put it out there the following weeks, and he'd give himself some leeway. Mm. He went from, like, he went from like no followers. He's, at, he's currently at 75,000 followers. And mm. he tells me all the time, oh, yeah, dude, he tells me all the time about how um, brands will send him emails and reach out to him. Um, and he's actually in a position now where he's like, that brand doesn't align with me. So I'm not going to like go with them, but he has brands that do right. reach out to him and they're like, Hey, what's your price per reel and all this stuff. So he had to navigate that world and understand how to use social media and what, what does he need to charge for these things? He had to learn all that, but he just told me he did a brand deal the other day and they asked him to do a, a, a reel, a story and a post. 
and he charged whatever, but I think he came out to like around 10 grand or something like that. And they didn't bat an eye. And he was like, shoot, I should have charged more. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I said 10, you know I meant I mean? 20. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's like one of those things where, you know, it's so funny being a real estate agent, even in the brokerage I work at, very few people understand the power of it as a business tool. And I think, I think if, like as a newer real estate investor, if I was a new real estate investor right now and I had time or I would try to find the time, I'd just be posting about like, hey, guys, I'm trying to learn how to do this. Come on my journey as I like figure this out. Yeah. Like weirdly enough, people like you will not know anything of what you're talking about, but people are going to be like, oh, shoot, I like that. Like this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He's going to learn it. I'm going to learn it's real. Him. Like people find authenticity in that. You know what I mean? And um I know so I try to do the format where you just like talking to like a talking head video and blah, blah, blah. I realized that that was okay and it was informational, but I think moving forward, I would do something where it's like, guys, this is just what's going on. This is an update. I, I, I uh, a tenant did this and I had to pay this bill today, blah, blah, blah. So this is what it's like when you have a rental, like that type of stuff. Authentic stuff is the stuff I think is, is the more uh, relatable. I think that's Absolutely. why that's why like this works. I mean, Nick and I have no no former uh, experience in this world with with podcasting or you know just pumping out any sort of media to be honest. Um, and we just got on here and we figured it out. We did everything like by ourselves. We didn't edit or we didn't pay anybody to edit or film or do any of this stuff. We we, we figured it out and it took time. And that's kind of like the biggest thing that we had to get over was fighting like the the growth aspect of learning. And it was hard. Right. I mean, like you, you get like you got to learn everything and then, and then you're like, okay, well now we've recorded and then you got to post it. And then it's like, well, is it even good quality? Like, should I share it or not? And it's just like the whole, the whole startup process is tough, but we just kept going. Like Nick said, we got some, some guests lined up and, um, we've been rolling lately. And, uh, I think me and Nick are finding a groove in what we're doing and feel good about what we're doing. And one thing that you said about like the work you, that you were doing, how you were getting just like burn out really quick. I think a big thing about, about burnout is just making your work fun and obviously i'm not like sitting here to be the guy like do what you love and you'll never work a day <laughs> in your life like that's i mean there's yeah, yeah, some right. truth to that but not a hundred percent but i think there's a way to make everything like to make whatever you're doing some way make it somewhat of fun um and i think that's important with burnout and then like you also mentioned just continuously posting persistence is so key i saw a video before we got on recording just about like being super persistent in what you're doing and you'll find success no matter what world you're in that holds true anywhere, anywhere you go. And it's not easy, obviously. And Nick and I have fought that. And um, we, we every weekend we find a freaking problem that comes up. We got to find a way to film and record. And we do it because we, we know that if we keep recording, this is going to go somewhere um, that is bigger than we ever imagined. And so we just keep going. We find ways to make it work. And that's kind of what, what this has been about, just the rawest form of figuring it out. A hundred percent. I mean... I'm still going through that process. So like seeing you guys do it, I'm just like, you guys are like, I, I see it. I'm like, this is awesome that you guys are doing it. Cause I want to be a part of that. And, and you guys might do a hundred, a thousand interviews before you hit one. And all of a sudden the one takes you up. Like, you know, it's like, I, right. I always think about this, like, you know, like there's always these act, like I'm a movie guy. So yes, I know what you're about to I say. I just like wreck. I just recognize like movie like I, I know actors, I know like A, B, and C actors, right? And I think about like that one actor that was a C actor his whole career, 
and then he's like in his like late fifties, early sixties, and then all of a sudden he's in this role that like defined his career. He embraced like, it. He yeah. was just and, like embraced it like incredible. And and for me, I'm like that's like blows me away because like this is somebody that was so dedicated to their craft. They they may have not been where like able to play that role you know 30 years ago or however long earlier on in their career but then they got that role and they stepped into it and they owned it and now they're getting the attention that they deserve i mean you see that and you're like dude that's that's dedication that's what it takes to like really find that success and it may be on different levels it may not be like this success that you saw these people have or whatever but it was a success point for you that got you to a point where you feel fulfilled from it I tell you, that's pretty incredible to me. Yeah, that's just, that's the that's like right there is just being attached to the process, man. Like zero, zero uh, attachment to the results and no expectations of what they wanted. They loved what they did. Like to your point, they perfected their craft. They loved what they were doing, and and it broke them. And it's all yeah. Nick's a movie guy. I'm a movie guy. So yeah, it's always good to see like you're watching a movie and you're like, who is this? And you like look up the movie and you find out the cast and they're like they're in 20 more films that you've never heard of or seen before, or just right. maybe just didn't recognize that they were there. And like dang, like he. He stay, he or she stay consistent, and he found found the movie to break him, and that's just that's a cool story, right. always. Yeah, yeah. That reminds that. me of um, that reminds me of Brian Cranston's story. Like you're talking about, that's that's exactly what I'm thinking about. Uh, just off the top of my head, like um, <clears throat> you know, the guy was I, th- I think his story was like he was a carpenter or something. I could be getting the details wrong, but it's like some sort of odd jobs type of thing where he was doing that to sustain his uh, passion of becoming a you know, an actor in, in Hollywood or, or, or Broadway or whatever. And, um, and I think maybe like one of his, one of his first roles on TV was like on Seinfeld and he was like a dentist and like he did something that like made Jerry Seinfeld break character and crack up in the scene. <laughs> and like, and like that might've been like a small moment where people were like, Oh, this guy could do something, but it wasn't necessarily his breakout moment. And, um, and then, but he gets more and more gigs, more and more gigs. And then he's like, he's the dad and Malcolm in the middle. And, you know, it's a, it's a long running show. He's, you know, certainly, um, you know, made a name for himself and paying, you know, and surviving and paying the bills. And then he has Breaking Bad and then he wins, you know, nominations for, you know, across the board for that type of, um, that type mm-hmm. of, you know, what is it, the Academy Award, something like that. And then, I think like a couple of years ago, he won a Tony on Broadway. And it's like, this dude mm-hmm. is so dedicated mm-hmm. to his craft. But like, you know, when he was younger, 20s, 30s, wasn't recognizable. And then in his 40s, 50s, whatever, um, when he's Breaking Bad, he's like the epitome, perfect character for Walter White. And then like, you can't see him any other way. And like, this guy was literally built for this role. And it's like, when he found his moment, he like capitalized and just like, like did everything he could with it did you know took it took it as far as he could go and and now it's like breaking bad is one of the greatest tv shows of all time i didn't right. realize he was knocking the middle the dad and knocking in the middle i did not did not know that until you just said that oh really oh yep. yeah yeah and that, that's a true story. Yeah. that's another story of like i didn't recognize him until like breaking bad and that might be like an age thing for me but i mean i watched Malcolm middle growing up i just had no no idea that was him yeah yeah, I love Brian Cranston. We probably do story. that so often. Yeah, we probably do that a lot. I <laughs> don't relate the two, but when you realize it, you're like, "Oh my gosh, this person's been been around longer than you realize, and they put in the effort." But you know, that, like for me, it's um, yeah, it's it's when you start out, 
there's so many things right now online <clears throat> in careers. Like I feel like with social media, you'll just be scrolling and you'll be like, dude, this is like a whole new opportunity or world that I'm learning about. Like I would just was like, what was I looking at the other day? Uh, oh, like I was scrolling on TikTok. I don't go on TikTok too much, but I was on it and I started realizing that there's this like thing called a TikTok affiliate program where you can now basically become an affiliate. And as long as you just like sell a product on your page, you get a commission off of that. And I was seeing like all these people who are not anybody influential, but they're like, I made $15,000 last month just from being a TikTok affiliate. And it's like yeah. so crazy how easy it is to make money in, in a way. Like you really could do that. But I actually looked at that and I was like, is that what I would want to do? Like, is that like something I want to put my energy into? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, sweet. It sounds nice. $15,000 and you barely did anything, but you went live and whatever, like, and, and no, no shade to them on like how they make money. Like if people do that, that's cool. But I was just thinking like, dude, that's like a new trend now where people are making money from this, you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. there's always going to be a way for you to like make money or break into an industry. It's just like, really just depends on what you want to like double down and focus on. Um, and that's I will say this, I will say, go ahead. I was just gonna say that's, that's their grind, right? They've chosen that is as their, what they want to do, right? And it's, maybe it's perfect for them, not necessarily for you. And it's, and it's something you can even try and see if it's for you, but like, you don't have to go all right. in on it, right? Give it a shot. And what is, you know, and it is for, you know, yeah, each job is for one person right and you have to find yours right exactly i think a lot of people get caught up in side hustles and they're like oh i did this as a side hustle and it turned into or it was like you know it turned into like my main thing and i'm like you know i think people so some people get that like side hustles and side passions confused like side hustles is like really you're just trying to like bridge the gap between like some of your expenses and things like that whereas side passions are something that you do eventually want to take over and like make it your full thing if you could monetize it. Um, I don't. I don't know that you necessarily need to be passionate about anything. I think most people want to. They they want they have a passion, but it's not necessarily the thing they're doing. It's more like what they're trying to get to. They're trying to get their time back. They're trying to travel more or do whatever it is. Um, so like 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 Ryan said, like you know he's not gonna you're not gonna sit here and be like uh you love what you do you never work a day you know people who say they love work to me people that, who say they love work like i love work i'm such a workaholic i'm like to me i'm like you're a loser because like <laughs> there's so many better things so yeah. than being a workaholic like like you're a workaholic like that's not cool to me because i think yeah. i think i think we have so many distractions in this world and not to get long-winded but the pandemic actually when like everything shut down and like everybody lost their jobs or went remote or whatever, like me and my wife, we lost our jobs. So I was just like, the pandemic was a very eye opening mind expanding year for me because I was just like, Oh my gosh, I'm not at this nine to five all day long. My brain can now explore other things. Like now I can really, um, see what I want to put my energy into. Like, is it this? Is it that? Like, is it, is it stocks? Is it real estate? Is it, um, any type of thing? And I actually had time to think about it. So it was very like 
weird because a lot of your average everyday people are just, they're just trying to get through each day. And it's just like working your nine to five. You don't have the time or the energy or the mind capacity to explore another passion, explore another avenue or venture, right? Um, and I think sometimes that can be very like defeating that you're like, I want to have a better life or I want to make more money or I want to go do something else. But you can't because you most of your day is your energy goes to that job. So the, the pandemic, weirdly enough, obviously, granted all the sad stuff that was going on and whatever, say whatever you want about it. But it's just like, man, that was a year where I was like, oh, my gosh, like, it's kind of scary that I don't have a job. But at the same time, I'm like, I have some time to, like, expand my mind, read other things, read, you know, in depth about stuff, explore other passions. And I think if people now are at a point where they're like, like, uh, I have a I have a job and it's not the pandemic anymore. I'm just like try to find those opportunities because like I, I suck at reading books. I'm I try so I literally switched and I was like I got to figure out a way to solve this. I went to Audible and now every time I take my dog for a walk or I'm in the gym, I can't tell you I barely listen to music. I'm li- I'm listening to books on tape because I'm just like dude I need to like expand my mind somehow. But I have a day job so how can I do that? This is the best way. Yep. Yeah. I think you need to remain curious throughout life. And that's what essentially what you're doing is, you know, listening to music is, is one thing for sure. Um, you know, it's, it's for also, sure. you know, music can be a moment too of just like taking a break from, from the grind and just like enjoying. Yeah. It's not that I don't listen to music. I don't listen to music. I don't, I don't listen. I don't listen as much. Like I definitely still like have like times where like, I'm like, okay, I'm not learning anything on a Friday night from seven to 10, I'm, I'm listening to music, but like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. You need to take your moments, but the, the, the curiosity is what, you know, drove you to, you like, you knew you needed to stay, stay focused on a goal, focused on um, achieving something. Cause like, I think it like one of my greatest fears is getting complacent. Cause as soon as I've ever gotten complacent on anything is when I've, I've lost like, um, you know, so like to think of like Michael Jordan, he said he's never lost a basketball game in his life. He's just run out of time. To me, that's the opposite of being complacent. He knows like had he lost the game and accepted that, that's him being complacent and he'll never win those six rings. He'll never become the champ. He'll never be the MVP. Right. Um, and what he did instead was perfected his craft. He went in the gym, trained harder, learned more moves, learned how to dribbled back to his right, you know, instead of the left or whatever it is, right? Something like that. But it's it's the remaining curious that I think is the important thing. And that's what you did. It's like, I really can't learn anymore through reading because I shut down after a few minutes. But what's the next alternative? Like there's audio audiobooks, right? And that'll that's how you can continue to consume knowledge and, and grow. And, mm-hmm. and I think probably some of those audiobooks you picked up were, were about real estate or investing or or uh, something like that, right? Uh, knowing mm-hmm. knowing the this world is probably what, that's what you got into, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, it was it was pivotal because um, I mean, you can only scroll so much, and like you catch a you catch tidbits here and there, but you're not totally going to learn. So, like at some point, you got to be like, okay, this is a subject I care about. How am I going to dive into it and really understand it? Um, and it really just depends on the type of learner you are. You're either going to go excuse me, go watch 
an hour long video on YouTube and visualize it and have it talking, or you're going to put some headphones in, go for a long walk and digest it that way. It doesn't really matter how you take it in. It's just that you are now deep diving. You're not, you're, you're only going to get so much by scrolling. You're just going to get tidbits. And then if you try to put it together from that, you're not really fully understanding, you know, especially in real estate, like you definitely need to go all in. Um, I, I will say a lot of what I did was the mentorship route. I mean, spending money to um, get, save you time. I totally believe in that. I think obviously you need to like take in as much free content as you can before you get to that point. Um, but spend the money to have someone take you through each step. I think it's worth it. Uh, if you feel comfortable with that person or that organization or whatever it is. Um, but obviously do it within your means. I, I think there's so many things that you can do free before you even get to that point. I mean, what I was doing was literally going to those meetups. I was going to the meetups like every week, just talking, taking in information, asking questions. Um, and weirdly enough, like the big, the biggest way I got into my first deal was just, deciding, Hey, this is the path I'm on and talking about it with everybody I knew. And a buddy of mine randomly, we were just like dinking around one night. We were like playing like PlayStation or something like online. And I was just chatting with them. We're literally on PlayStation live. And I'm like, Hey man, how you been? Blah, blah, blah. He's like, he's like, what do you, what's new with you? What are you getting into? And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm thinking about getting really serious about this real estate thing. And he literally goes, dude, I've been thinking the same exact thing. And I was like, that just came out of nowhere. And he basically was like, I want to invest in real estate, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, dude, we should partner on something. And he literally, I guess going into my first deal, he basically was like, I know somebody who's heavily invested in Detroit. Maybe he'll get on a call with us and kind of talk it through with us. I said, dude, let's do it. When it got on the call with him, he saw that we were serious. He was like, you know what? Why don't you guys fly out, shadow me? I'll drive around, show you some properties, show you some neighborhoods. And you guys, if you like it, you guys can invest there and go from there. And Lee said, set it up. Let's do it. Flew out there, saw it. I, and I was expecting to be pretty traumatized, to be honest with you, with <laughs> Detroit. Like, I was, like, not ready. Like I, I didn't, like, I didn't fully know what to expect. But when we got there and I realized that, like, so much was happening in terms of, like, the revitalization of that city, I was blown away. Um, granted there are still some rough spots. Like there's still things like, like houses. You're like, Whoa, this looks like a war zone. But yeah, weirdly enough, if you like look past that and you look into the bones of the city and of those houses, it's like, man, it could really be something beautiful. So I was just like, yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's get into this. Let's, let's, let's buy. And, um, that was kind of the story of how, how it was. It was just, I was like, I made it up in my mind. This was the path I was on. And I was just talking about it with everybody I know. And it just became a conversation piece. And, you know, when, when you start doing that, I think mentally it kind of permeates off of you. People are like, oh, that, oh, Tyler, yeah, he's doing, he's doing real estate now. Like, oh, he's doing, oh, did you hear he's doing a deal in Detroit? Like those simple conversations can lead to like something pretty powerful and, or a relationship being built. And then next thing you know, I'm at a conference and I'm sitting next to you and we're talking about you know, your history and my history and how we should do a deal in the future. And that's literally just because you made that decision in your mind, you know? So, 
100%, man. And, and I think um, <clears throat> the moment for you, like you said, you were talking to your buddy on PlayStation. And uh, I think the key there is like you put it out into the universe, right? You Like how is your buddy supposed to know you're interested in, in real estate? And then simultaneously, he's also interested in like, had you mm-hmm. not spoken it out loud, he wouldn't have heard it. You would have never made it happen. Uh, so it's like important for these things to like make sure that I mean, those that you trust, those that you, you, um, you know, don't, don't tell some stranger on the street. I mean, you can, I guess. Right. But that's just kind of wasted air at that point, but you told someone right. that you knew would be able to help you out in that scenario and you guys made a deal happen. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, you know, and then, and then going back to tykes, like, yeah, we just kind of, um, we just kind of, yeah, we were, we were, I think it was at the, whatever that bar was, right. Um, the blue. Oh Martini. yes. Yeah. There was like the welcome, uh, welcome night like after party thing or something yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah we started chatting so, like, we, that's right yeah yeah chatting yeah i think uh yeah we started chatting we were talking about talking about investing talking about golf and then um you were from florida i'm from florida you went to ucf i went to ucf and then uh so i don't know if you know this but ryan's a huge gators fan and you transferred to uf at some point but uh, let's go no, okay. <laughs> we're, we're gonna we're gonna edit this out <laughs> yeah. no. you know it's funny out. all my friends all my friends so all my best friends growing up they're all knolls like super seminoles all went there and they all like to give me crap and be like dude you're a knight dude you're not a gator i'm like dude i graduated <laughs> from florida so i'm a gator actually i i rep both because honestly i i feel like i was super fortunate i didn't intend to transfer i just saw an opportunity and it it was there i was like why not but i had a great experience at ucf ucf is an awesome school beautiful campus just nothing bad to say about it same thing at uf great campus great experience i just i feel like i got a two-for-one special with my college experience um oh for sure so it it was if you have an opportunity to go to a school like that i mean how i feel about college now is totally different but i wouldn't i wouldn't trade that experience for the world i think if you have an opportunity and that's what you want to do definitely go experience college because there's a lot of growth in that um but but i think you need to be very very selective about the major you're gonna (laughs) you're going to enroll in um, and, and oh, really yeah. know like your pathway, do your research. I feel like, I mean, a lot of kids are just going now cause it's like, Oh, my dad went there and blah, blah, blah. But like, it's, it's just not really becoming truly cost effective. And, and I look, I'm, I'm probably going to be paying student loans until I, the day I die. It's not stopping me from living <laughs> my life or anything like that, but yeah. it's just not like, I, I don't know that the cost is totally paying i mean granted i mean it's it's good that i have a degree it's helped me get this far i just don't think like from like the pandemic onward i don't know if that is gonna mean as much like it did for our generation you know yeah well i should say that um you know for maybe our parents generation actually you know our, our grandparents generation like a high school diploma was the minimum, right? That would get you a job. And, you know, that was back when Detroit was thriving <laughs> originally. Right, and then, exactly. Um, and then, you know, and then for our parents' generation, it was like minimum is get a, a bachelor's degree and that will set you ahead. And then 
for our generation, it's like get a graduate degree, like get some sort of master's, get an MBA or something. And that's what sets you apart from the rest of the group. But, you know, like you said, like post pandemic, the same way it opened your eyes to what's possible out there for you. There's so many other opportunities that, um, you know, maybe I would say something like live your life for two years. Cause like when you sign up for classes at 18, like you have no idea like I signed up for athletic training and, and like I could have taken that multiple directions. Like, and what I envisioned was, um, you know, I would be the, the head athletic trainer for the New York Yankees. Like come to find out, like, that's like, I didn't have the connections. Like obviously I didn't pursue it as hard as I should have. Like I had someone like laid out the path and said, this is how you get there. I could have tried it. Um, I think I would have come up short. I didn't know, I didn't know you did I didn't know you did athletic training. Maybe we talked about that. Yeah, I did that at, at UCF, and then I changed it to to engineering, which uh, is ultimately what I graduated the degree I graduated with. But yeah, I did athletic training, and then I realized like, but I was also living my life at college. Like I was eighteen years old, eighteen twenty twenty years old. Like there's a lot more going on that I was more interested in, and and oh, than, sure. than showing up to class and and getting A's and getting that high degree, like. Like even in high school, I didn't care about straight A's, and so why why would I why would that translate and carry on into college? Something that I'm paying tens of thousands of dollars for, like that you have loans for, you know. Um, but yeah, it's like yeah, I think so. Yeah, I was gonna yeah, say I, I think say, like young kids. Go ahead, sorry. <laughs> uh, no, no, you go. <laughs> no, no, I think uh, go go live your life, right? Go live your life, figure it out, and then when you determine like all right, I can't do this hustle. If I don't have the side hustle, I don't have the passions. I'm not going to be a car salesman. I'm not going to be a, a, you know, I don't have that sales uh, mentality. I, I, you know, I tried real estate or whatever. It wasn't for me. I need that office life. I need that, that structure of a college diploma to get me into, uh, you know, interviews with, uh, with corporate America, then decide, go into, you know, college at that point. It's like, all right, it's worth the, the student loans, the, the, 10, 15, 20 years of student loans that will come after it. Um, and you, you, you know better, right? Rather than wasting two years paying for a, a large, you know, signing up for a, a large amount of debt that many people right now are struggling to see why they even paid for it in the first place. Uh, but that's, that's, and that's my take is like, you, you don't have to do college. Only certain people, you know, it's the, the same point before is like, find your grind and then that's what you should like go all in on and, and figure it out. But, um, yeah, but yeah, well, it's very different now than it was. Go, going back to like being passionate about something, you don't like have to be like, I would tell you like most young people today, if I could go back in time, I was like, I would say get a skill like trades, trade schools, any of those. I know plenty of people who are like electricians flooring guys like plump all that type of stuff dude they're they're not freaking passionate about being a plumber they're not passionate about being an electrician but they make a good amount of money and guess what when you're making when you have capital coming in and you're now like what do i do with this you know you can just save it up if you wanted to or you can deploy it into something you can invest it or you can start going to real estate i think a lot of people want to jump into real estate and be like Oh man, I heard you can make so much money. It's like, dude, you really have to like if you don't have the capital, 
you have to do a ton of legwork in networking, networking, building relationships and things like that, which is totally fine. But that's a pathway that I don't think a lot of people are willing to invest that time and energy into doing. Like, you can't just be somebody who just gets into real estate and is like, hey, can I borrow $30,000 and this and start? The, what? Like, dude, it's not, it's not the same. Yeah, who's like, going to buy into that? Now putting a lot. Yeah. Like, like if you're a young person, you're either going to make money from a trade or you're going to make money like from like the social media route on how kids make money today with followers. Right. And again, one is a little bit more riskier than the other trade. You'll always have that. Like you'll always have that skill and you could always like default to that if you need to. That's what I would say for like kids moving forward today. If you're trying to like save on the college route and you're not sure about it yet, like just like you said, two years, maybe figure out something that you're good at or take some time to really think about that. And then like maybe think like, hey, maybe I go do the trade route and get a skill. But if that's not for you and you're like, and you really took some time to think about it, then maybe, yeah, go go to college and get a business degree or, you know, something like that, that you can really put forth into something, you know, tangible sales and business always usually does well, but, but that's, that's my thing. And then for me, I was fortunate, right? Like I was fortunate to like have a partner when I first really started investing in real estate, but that's not always going to be the case for everybody. I think the biggest thing that, you could look for if you can't find a partner is just find someone that's someone that is like successful in whatever they're doing, whether it's real estate or business or whatever, and see if they'll be like your accountability partner or coach, you know, they're going to have a wealth of knowledge and chances are if they're not in real estate and they're just in business, there's a good chance that they have some investments in real estate and they can help you or guide you in ways like that. Like, I know a lot of people that just come and they want to like have someone, you know, invest with them or partner with them. It's like, dude, they don't know you. They don't, they don't know you haven't brought anything to the table. So the best thing you can do is be like, Hey, listen, this is what I'm trying to do. Can you either teach me or as I learn, can you hold me accountable to this type of stuff? And that's what I would do. Like if I had to start over, I would be like, I'd find someone really successful and be like, dude, I'm just trying to learn from you. And as I learn, can you hold me accountable as I progress? Most people are going to be like, for sure. Like, I want to see you succeed. Like, they see themselves in you. That's what I would say. Yeah. I mean, the perfect example is, like, uh, when you play sports as a kid or, or play a musical instrument or, or something that you've had to learn is, like, you've had a coach along the way for your entire journey of that that um, practice that you're doing. Um, if you So, like, you can look at real estate or whatever trade it is in the same light, like, you know, you're an adult now, so it's very different. Like, but as a kid, like you showed up to practice and the coach told you, Hey, here's what you have to do to make sure that we can put our belt ourselves in the best position to win the game on Saturday. And you, know, you go through the drills, the coach lines it up. And the same thing as a personal trainer is like, I want to get in shape. Like, okay, well, do you have a reason for getting in shape? Like, yeah, well, no, I'm, you know, I want to be healthier. I want to be able to live longer, you know, and then at least you have, uh, uh, an end goal in mind and then the trainer can start curating things for you and like hey well if you want to get healthier and live longer stop eating this food and start um, exercising in this way and doing these routines for 30 60 minutes a day you know three to five days a week whatever it is and they'll they'll coach you through that 
And the other portion is the accountability. If you're, if you have a coach there and like, just say I have a written routine and I go to do it myself, nobody but myself is holding me accountable to, to, uh, to complete the task and make sure that, uh, you know, I, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do so that I can, you know, meet in goal. Um, that's what, mm-hmm. that's what, yeah. And to your point, like get a mentor, like that, that's exactly what that is, is, is that's the, that's the example that I think of. I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the advocate for college here just cause there isn't one right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I understand like fully both sides of it. And financially, financially speaking, I get it. Like people can't afford to do it or just don't want to afford to do it. And that makes hundred percent sense. And I'm with Tyler on this, like trades are so important. I got a couple of buddies that, um, either went to trade school or just got certified outside of trade school and do electrician work and do stuff like that. And they make good money and they live, they're happy. They, they do what they want. And, um, like you said, they don't love doing electric, electric work, but they make a good money and they're okay. But what I would say about college is like, first off, if you can't, if you can't afford a big university, go to community college because it's so much cheaper. Um, find a good one maybe, or even just local, if you're able to live at home, whatever it is, financially speaking, find a way to make it work just because, I know a lot of people that, well, there's a lot of aspects to it, but for me personally, like sports wise, I got a degree in sports. I had a sports science degree. Um, and had I not gone to college and made the connections I made in college, um, I wouldn't have been able to like land the role necessarily that I have now. And I can detest to people that I work with and I, that I went to school with that landed jobs in sports. Um, there might be ways to do it without a college degree and without college experience. But if you really want to go work in, like professional or collegiate sports, you got to go to that freaking athletic office day one. Like the second you step on camp, and I didn't even do that. This is like hindsight with what I should have done. I got lucky and, and made a good connection with a guy I met at the gym, but uh, go to the freaking athletic office day one and be like, hey, like this is my goal. This is what I want to do, whatever, whatever it is. And like, is there anything for me? And they might tell you no and come back next year or come back a couple of months or whatever it is. But there's a lot of opportunities in the athletic office um, or in the athletic department in general, whatever sport it is, they'll find something for you. And from there, your career is going. Like I know from my perspective, like anybody that gets hired uh, in professional sports, they probably worked collegiate, collegiate athletics or they were a collegiate athlete, one of the two. And then going forward, they use that job that they had in college to build the connections that they have now. Um, and so from athletic standpoint or from like sports standpoint, go to college. Like that's like, I mean, like it sucks to say, but like, I mean, there's probably ways to do it outside of that. And I'm not hundred percent aware because there's always other ways, but just seeing like, like athletic trainers, every athletic trainer that I've seen hire get hired for the Cowboys. He worked a freaking job for a D one program. And like, he's a, his boss is a, is a known guy that has great connections across the college world and sports world um and that's where they find these dudes that is from big time programs and then like from the business side of the world like i know it's changing nowadays and people are getting hired without degrees and whatnot but i do think like from seeing friends that i went to school with like they went and got the college degree um and whatever business field it was and then they were able to apply that degree to to be able to like in their applications and people see what they did and they can get internships, you know, in the summers and whatnot. And um, I don't know. It just there's a lot of avenues that don't open up if you're not in college. So like people, it's hard to get an internship if you don't have a, like a collegiate. If you're not like getting your bachelor's degree, people are they take a person that's you know pursuing your bachelor's degree over someone that's just like, hey, let me apply. And there, like I said, there's always other ways. But I think being in college, like 
opens up things of like, hey, this is like this guy has a career. He has a goal. He has a vision. He knows what he wants to do, sort of like at least gives him opportunity to grow in that world. Um, and I just don't know, like an 18 year old, like looking back at myself per, like, personally at 17, 18 years old, when I graduated high school, I didn't have the capital. I didn't have the knowledge. I didn't have anything to do like anything on my own. Like I would have needed a lending hand, a helping hand um, to go start whatever it is I wanted to do, whether it's real estate or whatever world. So like, yeah, I mean, I get it. College is tough financially and, and it racks up. It's, it's incredibly insane how much they charge you for it. I agree with that aspect, but I, I do think there's a lot of good things that I didn't even tap into from like a social aspect of growth and whatnot, but business-wise, man, like there's a lot of things that you can use college for. Yeah, no, I, I look, I obviously I'm a product of it. I went through it, so it's easy for me to say, oh, I wouldn't go to college anymore. Again, I went, I did it, it, it and to your point, I went the athletic training sports medicine route. Okay, so sweet. I worked D1 sports. I was with I was with some UCS sports, but I was mainly the last two years of, of undergrad, I was with Florida basketball. I traveled yeah. with the team. I was with them every day. Like it was an amazing experience. I did Who was the Florida who was the coach dive. Donovan, Billy is it, Donovan. Is it Billy? That's sick. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it was awesome to see Billy. A bunch of other assistant coaches under him at that time went on to be head coaches. Uh, Larry Shy went on to be head coach of Wyoming. Greg Lanier went on to be yep. staff at Texas. Um, Rick Patino Jr. Where's he at now? He's at oh, he's at New Mexico, New Mexico. Yeah. But he wasn't there right after that. That's recent. But he went. I forget where he went right after. But he's Rick like Patino Jr. was crazy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, but you know it's crazy. It's crazy to be around that greatness. Like your dad is Rick Pitino. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, <laughs> and, and like our strength, the strength coach at that time, he is now the. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's the full uh, head strength coach of, of the San Antonio Spurs. Like, yeah. my head athletic trainer, the guy above me on the team, he was like super known in the sports world. He was like, dude, I can get you with any like D1 team as a full time job after this. So I was like, amazing. Like I was on that track. So you're right. Like you go through that. And if it's in a specific degree, like if you work your butt off and you really dive in, like you're going to get connected. I think there's just some degrees that they don't really produce much. And I think a lot of people want to pursue these passions, but passions don't always make you money. You know that's, what I mean? That, I agree uh, with that. That's a fair, that's a really good point. Yeah. Again, it goes back but, to like, finding your grind, right? Exactly. But I mean, I was grinding like a athletic trainers, dude, like overworked and underpaid. I, I had made it all the way to the pros. I was, I was, I did exactly what you said. I, I was literally on the Falcons and it was like, dude, this is awesome. But it was also like, dude, I don't know if I could have a life. Like, were you, were you full time? Were you a full time staff member? Yeah. And it was like, you don't. I mean, seasonally, like so, some parts of the year, it's not terrible. But when you're yeah. in like OTAs, preseason camp, and season, no life. I know you. Like, I know you. Getting paying. there five <laughs> in the morning, getting there five in the morning, leaving ten at night. You know, like you, you're the you're you're in there way before the players. You're in there after the last player. I mean, on a fifty-five man roster team, and like it's just it is insane. And I just remember thinking like, man, it just, it's like sometimes on the weekends, I was like, man, I just want to go hang out with my friends. Like yep. just didn't have, like couldn't do it. You know what I mean? And for me, 
I just, it didn't pay off. Like I was like, man, this is the pinnacle. This is amazing, but this is not what I want to do long-term. Whereas some other people, it works for them and, and they love it. They, they absolutely love it. A part of me loved it, but I will tell you this, what I did, what, what I love about it and is what still is in me today is the work ethic part of it. Like I don't know any other career or college, I guess, uh, a degree where they had you putting in as a student, like 60 plus hour weeks outside of class just to be yep. at practice and games. And then when you got onto like a, you know, like when I was in grad school for it, I was the athletic, the head guy for the team. So it was like, you know, I'm basically there. All I mean, you're just there 60 to 80 hour weeks for very minimal pay. I mean, that doesn't leave you. Right. So I translated that into, you know, whatever my, you do. yeah, whatever you do, like whatever you do, you're like, dude, 40 hour a week. That's like nothing. Like I used to put in <laughs> this amount. So if something needs to get done or if I, if I really want to work at something, I don't mind putting in the work. Like that's the one thing about athletic training, sports medicine, that world taught me. It's like, dude, you can, you don't think you can do it. You could do it. Like I remember working a hundred days straight and I thought I was going to lose my mind. And you just like, you just do it. You just find a way, you know what I mean? Um, Because you don't have any other choice. Um, So like now when I tackle things, I'm like, dude, I could, if I can't do this, like for a hundred days straight or put in some type of like just a little bit each day, you know, like I must really not like doing it, but I can, I can do it for almost anything. Yeah. Like right now, I don't, I I don't know if you touched on this or not, but I'm on the equipment staff uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. And so I know like, Oh, sick. The, yeah, so I know. Dude, like, I love the equipment guys. The equipment guys are like the best. Because you were like, <laughs> dude, I was like, dude, hook me up with some shorts, man. Like, hook me up with an extra pair. You, like, if you were in good with the equipment guys, dude, it was it like, it meant everything. Oh, man, I love yeah. the equipment guys. Because it was just like, they were like almost like on the same level as athletic trainers. Yep. You guys were like, we're all working our butts off. And you're just like, it was like I'm this a, mutual respect. Like, from a player, from a player to staff uh, relationship between the trainers and, and equipment staff, I mean that's the best you can get. Um, and obviously, coaches yeah. get it, but I, I don't count them as staff. Um, like athletic trainers, probably more so than us. They deal with those guys like all day long, man. They're taking care of them, making sure they need, they're getting what they need, like from therapy and everything, whatever it might be. And then from our point of view, just like whatever the dude's wearing, we put that shit on him. So like, like we take care of him really good, and like, and and. Yeah, so I guess what's a touching is like yeah, from like OTA, like call it whatever, late April, mid May, to mm-hmm. whenever you lose, like whenever you whenever you lose, call it January. Like you're in there sixty ish plus, That's... call it. And for me, like I wasn't, I, I didn't travel to every away game. So you know, there's some days that I got that I got that Sunday off. But other than that, you're in mm-hmm. there like you know six, seven, eight a.m. Whatever day, depending on your day, and and you're there. So to your point, to the last player leaves because. With equipment, you do their laundry. And so until the last player gets out of there and you do the last laundry load and fold it all and put it away, that's when you go home. And so, yeah, I mean, to your point, I, I get what you're saying. When, like, you, you made it to the pinnacle and you saw it all. And and it just wasn't 100% of what you, maybe what you thought it was going to be. And I feel that 100%. Like, my experience that I've had is, a, like, the greatest experience I've had in my life probably. I've loved every second. Easily. But I learned a lot about myself and what I find um, important to me. And where I want my time to be spent, I've loved. You can ask. I mean, Nick knows this. I've loved sports since I was since I could walk, right? And so, I mean, I've lived, breathed it, and that's just what I've always been about, and just done. And 
Now I'm in like the highest form of sports you could possibly be in other than playing. And I'm there. I'm close. Like these, I'm with these dudes nonstop, whatever. I mean, it's, it's a dream job hypothetically. Right. And then it's just not really what, I mean, like my time to your point, I don't, I don't want to see my friends on the weekends. I don't, you know, you don't get to do that in the middle of the season. Right. You get maybe see them every once in a while, but you're just there and it's a grind. And, um, Look, I love it, like I said, and don't get me wrong, it's awesome. But you know, you're not paid well, and time's not there, and so it's just there's a lot of things. It's like a good really... on paper job. Oh yeah, it's, it's like on, yeah, job, it, it, on it, paper. It, it, on paper, you're like, oh, dude, you're equipment for a cowboy. Like that's crazy. Yeah. Like it, you, you'd say that to somebody. Like when I used to be like, yeah, I'm the I'm the assistant athletic trainer for Atlanta Falcons. People would be like, what, dude? Yep. That's, that must be the best <laughs> job ever. And I'm like. Yeah, dude, it's pretty sweet. And like, they're like, they're like talking to me, and I'm like, you know, seven games it. into the season, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, like I like, <laughs> I just like want to, you know, lose it. And and there was yeah. just so many perks. Like to your point, like you get to you get to meet these guys. You're seeing like you're to some degree contributing to a product where it's like you're helping this organization, this one well-oiled machine, work towards one unified goal. And it's like every single aspect. And you see it in like in everything, like athletic trainers, equipment people. You go into the training table or the the, the kitchen, and the yep, chefs are making their part of it. You know what I mean? It's like you're all part of it. But like for 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 me, I guess like our culture here is just like just work yourself until like you're just totally exhausted, dead. And and you know the experience is something that I'm super grateful for grateful for because of what it's built into me but like you said like what you were starting to say is like something about having control of your time really i think is a bigger flex or a bigger something to brag about to be like you know hey I, it's a tuesday and i'm at a coffee shop at 2 p.m because i want to be uh, and i have some control over time or something like that to me that's just like what i realized was more important to me than to to say that I worked for the Falcons like that became less and less important and more of what I wanted to do and being with friends and family and pursuing other things and having the choice to pursue other things that started to become more and more important than me saying hey I work for the Falcons like that was cool after like the first two years and then after that I was like I don't care to tell people you know what I mean yeah I think well, first off I think we should have Tyler back on at some point and just really dive into the athletic the athletic career grind yeah, yeah. Um, a whole season uh, day yeah. by day a whole season explanation and i can go all day about yeah all the stuff but i wasn't yeah we can we can get into that i'll just say one more thing about it and kind of like a personal side of it just like like i said i had i had to really figure out myself and what i what i took you know what i felt most most, most important to me time-wise and then the other side of it was like to your point it's really cool to say you work for the dallas cowboys or the atlanta falcons or whatever it is and um it's a super uh prideful thing and it makes you feel good inside and that's where i was like i was like do i do i do i want to continue this career path because i will be able to say i work in the nfl and i work for this team and people will be like no way man that's sick and then like you feel loved by this person that doesn't even know you like this dude you met on the street or whatever at the bar and like he's like oh that's so sick and you feel really good about yourself and it's like but that dude i don't even know his name first off second off i'm never gonna talk to this guy again probably and like if i take if i'm filling myself up with this outside extrinsic like i guess call it love like that's only gonna last so long and to your point you lasted two mm-hmm. years and you're like i don't even want to tell you what i do because like whatever and mm-hmm. like, that's where i was like like maybe like 
yeah, like my job's sick and I have, there's a passion for it in a sense, but there's other things I'd rather do with my time. And, and I got to weigh like, okay, like, do I really want to be the guy that's like, I do this job internally because I get this out outside love from people that I don't even care about or don't even care about me. And that's been a really big thing that's weighed on me super heavily and kind of deciding on what I want, like what I want to do going forward. Um, it's like, yeah, like I want to, I definitely want to go find a job that has more time and, you know, better pay and whatever it is. But then it's like, dude, but people, people think I'm so cool, like on the outside. And it's just like, but does yeah. that really matter to you? Like, I, I don't know. That's something that with me, I'm like, I mean, there's, there, there, you're, you're either going to decide before it happens or you'll reach a breaking point. That's kind of what I experienced. I was just like, I remember, <laughs> I remember being like, oh man, I'm trying to go to this buddy's wedding. And I went to the head athletic trainer and I was like, Hey, uh, you know, game like nine, I think that weekend I'm, I'm going to like, I'm trying to go to this wedding. Is there a way that I can like not or skip that game or not travel? And I remember it was during practice and all the players were stretching and he was like, uh, yeah, look, look on the field. Tell me what you see. And I was like, you know, I see all the players stretching. He goes, he's like, no, that's millions of dollars out there that we have to make sure can play each week. So yeah, you're not going to be able to make it to that wedding. And I was like, whoa, that, (laughs) I was like, I mean, it, it, but, but it made me realize, I was like, this is a business. It's an organization. The personal stuff within it really matters very little. And that was a little bit of my breaking point. Like, I think I was already kind of on that pathway, but that was a breaking point for me. I mean, some people have the opportunity to decide before you get to that point. But having said that, to your credit, when you're, when you're starting to think about if that's something you want to do further or, you know, look for another job, I was able to really sit down and say, Hey, what skills did I learn from this job? Like, what are the things that I built? And that actually helped me a lot when I was like trying to spruce up my resume, because it's crazy when you deal with players and you're talking, talk to them about their injury, you're talking to them about other issues sometimes the mental aspect behind it, you become a therapist. I mean, even as an equipment guy, I mean, you have these conversations with what these people are going through. Dude, that's a skill set. Like, you know, uh, effective communication or uh, good team team building, uh, networking skills, like all these things you add to your skill set because you don't even realize that you're like basically learning this stuff. You don't realize you're learning organizational skills and efficiency and whatever. But guess what? That skill set, those skill sets, dude, there's tons of jobs that you could apply for that you don't even realize that you can apply for and be effective on somebody's team. Because somebody needs you right now and they don't know that they need you or they know they just can't find that person. Because I can right. tell you right now, working in my day job, I, I actually started as in the medical aspect. I went from being an athletic trainer in the field, but then being somebody what's called a physician extender in the clinic. And you basically just work with the doctor day to day and help them, you know, with efficiency in the clinic, help them room patients, all that type of stuff. But over time, I transitioned into like more business aspect of, of the clinic and became a business development coordinator. And, uh, man, it's crazy how the stuff that I learned from athletic training, I applied to now to business, like just how I run different things. It's almost like you learn, you learn sales to some degree, uh, in, in, in that experience. But 
yeah, I just I apply so much from that background of sports medicine athletic training to what I do now. It's crazy. And I didn't even realize it until I really got into the role and I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm able to do this because of what I learned here and these types of skill sets. And I, and I think that's with anybody in any job. You may not be at that job because you love that job. But if you can learn something and take it with you and apply it to the next, that's literally what you should be doing. Like you should be gathering skills and applying them and translating them over to the next job. That That's kind of what I did. And it's helped me get to the point. I never thought I would be in a business development role having a history of athletic training. So just talking to you about your equipment, you know, being in the equipment manager uh, role, I don't even think you probably realize how much you probably can contribute to some other type of business in the future. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard when you're in it, right? All you think about is the next day of getting exactly. the field set up, field set up and getting the players that they need and kind of lose sight of what you're good at. Um, we talk, me and my buddy, we coworkers, we talk about it and we're like, dang, I feel like I'm getting stupider here. And like, what am, what am, I, what am I even good at? Like, all I know is like, get the player hit large pants and make sure his face mask is whatever, you know, whatever it is. But I don't know. There's, there's, there's a lot to it. And I, like I said, we got to get you on again and really dive into that. Cause I know there's more stuff we want to talk about with you, but man, sports is a, it's a crazy, it's a crazy world. And there's a lot of unknowns mm-hmm. that kids that aspire to be in there. Um, I don't want to like kill the dream, but it's just not always what it might seem. One thing I will say is the people that do it full time, coaches, staff, guys that are long tenured trainers, um, whatever it is, equipment guys, they like they're they're different. They're a different breed. Um, the ones that can do it for long periods of time, and even these head coaches that they work their way up from the equipment staff, athletic training, they get their head coaching job at forty years old. It's like that's twenty years of freaking work right there. Like they didn't just up here into that role and so i'll mm-hmm. give a mm-hmm. head nod to anybody in athletics that that's committed to it and going on man that's a freaking they're a different breed and they're a tough tough mental person for sure they they need to be paid more and respected <laughs> more for what they do like i think only people sometimes within the organization really like appreciate them but man that athletic trainers in general like i mean on every level like high school college pros it's just like I've seen what a high school looks like without an athletic trainer. Nightmare. Like yeah. I never let my kid play in a, a, a organized sport without that type of um, healthcare assistance nearby. But it still happens to this day. So super underpaid, just like teachers are. And don't get me started on that. It's like you have <laughs> these people who are taking care of our kids and you want to pay them very little. Just it's just backwards. So yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. The the people that stick it out and really devote themselves to it, dude. Grinders. Yeah. Absolutely. Grinders. Yeah, I mean look at look at Andy Reid, right? He's, he just won his uh was that his third Super Bowl title. Yep. Um and now he's like the second most uh play you know, winningest coach in playoff history behind Belichick probably something like that. I got the numbers I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but I mean, he's up there, right? But he didn't just get there. Um, you know, I remember looking at him at the Eagles, and that was like a very unsuccessful. Like he was a great coach, turned the turned the team around, but like you don't have anything. He didn't have anything to show for it, right? He had to work and truly find a passion, uh, or truly had to have a passion for it to really keep going until he was at the top. You know, Super Bowl champion. 
back to back years, yep. right? I think all the Super Bowls came like post sixty five years old. If that's, I think I could be wrong, but at least two of them did. Yeah, he's not a young guy. Very entertaining. I love this. That stuff, was a good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was a, and, and that was. A, I mean, the Super Bowl was like for the most part, it was a little boring, but it picked up at the end. The end was was crazy. Um, yeah. yeah, I still have I still have some questions about the last like minute and a half. Like, I really don't understand how they. The Chiefs burnt so much clock. I was like screaming at the TV because I'm like, is nobody seeing this? Like they literally went down to the three. They burnt like 40 seconds. And then at like at like seven or six seconds or something, they ran that they, last play. They snapped a lot. It, it was weirdly easy. It was like weirdly an easy play. But they just yeah. dumped it to Nico Harden. <laughs> I was just like, this is weird. Like I didn't think about scripting in the NFL until right then because they literally wasted from like 54 seconds to like seven seconds to run that last play. And I'm like, dude, that's like, that's like five plays, five, six, seven plays. And they had two timeouts, didn't take any timeouts. That's when I was like, okay, I might be, I might scripting might, might be a real thing in the NFL. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That, but, that's yeah, another topic for another day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, Exactly. Yeah. A couple of things I wanted to say, you- touch on, uh, just real quick before. Uh, so, what was that, Tyler? Head? No, it's all you. Uh, I thought you said something there, but anyway. Um, so I want to say, yeah, Ryan working for the Dallas Cowboys has been uh, one of the greatest things for me as well. <laughs> I got to have, <laughs> I got to live a life, I got to live a day in his life, which was like truly an amazing day. Like, and that was actually my first you know, in season NFL playoff game. And like, there's no way it's going to, it will ever get better than that. Um, I truly had a, a day of that. It was, it was exciting. Um, totally. But it, it is, it is really, I mean, to talk about it, like say, yeah, I did that. Um, you know, it was a moment in life, you know, that that's what you're capturing is, is a moment in life, something that um, you can look back on and, and, you know, be really, really happy that you did it. You're really proud of the moment. Um, and yeah, unless you're that different specific breed that wants to work and grind and that's your identity is a, is a, you know, one day you'll be the head coach of, of an NFL team. Um, you know, then maybe, you know, spend your time with it and then take, take everything you can out of it and put it into the next thing. Um, mm-hmm. out, of, out of that conversation, maybe that's the nugget that I would, I would share with the audience who's, uh, potentially interested in that. But, um, the other thing I wanted to spend from that is you talked about it too, and you were uh, on the field and you said you could see, you know, it was a, it was a business at the end of the day, but you could see how it was like just this well-oiled machine. Like, t- you know, the employees staff show up at this time of day, they get this set up so that the, you know, the, you know, the true, the, the athletes are there, you know, ready to put in their practice. Um, and if they have to think about something outside of, you know, the, the um, grind of practice, then it kind of throws off the machine and then, that practice suck and it sucks and it plays into, you know, how they perform at the end of the day, you know, if they didn't have their meals or whatever. Um, but that's what you, you know, you saw that, like you saw it's a business, it's a well-oiled machine. And now you're able to take that into your career here, which I want to dive into. Um, I mean, you have your career as your clinical um, business developer um, in, in clinical business development, but uh, right now you're on the, you're on the path to becoming, you know, essentially a small business owner as a, as a real estate investor. And what you learned from that, you know, the pinnacle of business, like NFL is like the pinnacle of business. It's like 
this it's like in line with um you know apple and microsoft like those are those are tech mm-hmm. companies but atlanta mm-hmm. falcons you know they haven't had a lot of great seasons but they have you know they are a, a, an awesome team um and they're you know they're a, a franchise that's making it in a billion dollar industry um, that is a business and you can take what you've learned from that and apply it towards your real estate venture which um i kind of want to jump into that right now and uh, mm-hmm. we kind of touched on it as like you you had you know you had a reset in life and you learned that you wanted to invest in real estate find find a way to enjoy the things that mean the most to you like showing up nine to five even six to ten p.m whatever it is whatever job you're in um wasn't your identity it's what you didn't you don't want to wake up for that like you want to wake up to spend time with family and that avenue um based on what i'm hearing from you is you know going through real estate or other small business um but so like was was your deal with your buddy um in detroit was that your first deal were there other deals was there any other steps that you took prior to that besides going to meetups and learning from from mentors no that well besides buying my personal home um that was my very first deal that was like it was like the conversation happened then we slowly started to like have more conversations and you know we were serious about it so you know making the decision to buy tickets fly to detroit you know follow this guy around um you know that that that's that was the start of that but prior to that i decided to get my real estate license so it was like the pandemic hit lost our jobs i was like you know what i'm gonna try to I'm going to try to go in all on real estate. I kind of knew the power of real estate. You know, I I come from a background of seeing my parents make financial mistakes. And it was one of those things where it was like not their fault because they just weren't taught. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like a lot of previous to like, you know, our generation, the, the information we have today wasn't readily available back then. Right. So you have a lot of people who were just trying to make it happen. And I think, man, when I think about like two or three houses that my parents don't own anymore, like they either lost or sold it for like nothing. When I think about what they're worth now, it like, like makes me literally nauseous because it's like (laughs) they could have leveraged having those and making a better life for them and for, you know, me and my siblings. Right. And I always knew that real estate was going to be one of the ways that I was going to help kind of like create a generational wealth type situation for myself. So yeah, it was getting my license. So I was taking the class, but it was going to those meetups. Like, um, once we could start going to in-person stuff, I was literally just like going and asking questions because I was, you know, obviously like a lot of people getting started, you're on a budget. You can't, you can only allot so much money. So I was trying to do everything I could for free. I was trying to just ask questions, talk to people who were seemed like they were doing it pretty well and soak in a, a lot of information. And that, I would say that that was like almost a year of me doing that before I had that conversation with my friend and we decided to jump in. It wasn't like, hey, I'm getting into real estate. Anybody want to do it with me? Okay, cool. Let's go do it. It, <laughs> it wasn't like that at all. Um, that would have been nice because i wanted to move faster than i was moving and and still right now i want to move faster than moving my first deal 
I, I think you would kind of describe it as a little bit of a nightmare. Like it wasn't like a successful, oh, look at this successful burst strategy that everybody says they do and it worked out. Ours didn't work out as well as I would have liked. Um, it ended up working out, but it was a it went a year too long. We paid more, way more than we should have because our first contractor stopped doing the work and, you know, let us down. We had to go find another person who ended up being great, but, you know, he had new prices that we had to pay. Um, we learned so much from it and I, and I wouldn't take it back because just from me doing that deal, I'm on the pathway. It's just not as fast as I would have liked. I, I would have liked to have done 10 deals by now, but literally I've done one. And we just bought our second one. Um, and we're running into issues with that. Like almost the same thing, like issues with somebody else being on the title. And you got to get that cleared off before you get a loan to rehab it. It's just stuff that comes with the territory. And that's just the pace that we're working at. But I, but I can say that, you know, what I learned from like the Falcons, for example, like, yeah, they were losing and they – you know, when, when I was there, they were decent, but like really winning and losing is, it, it matters more to some than others. And, and really sometimes that's not the biggest focus. Cause what I can tell you about the Falcons is that everybody loved working for them. The culture of the organization was great. Right. So it's one thing like the outcome, you, you can argue that it's the most important thing like on the field, but that's just what everybody else sees. Right. But you, you really have to create a culture to even get a chance at that winning on the field, right? Like it has to be something that permeates through everything you do and everybody has to be in line in the same goal. So like that's probably what I've taken into a lot of what I do even now with my day job and with investing. It's like the culture of what we're trying to do. Like we're, we're all trying to be on the same page. We're all trying to support each other. Um, and, and I think that's really big to me is – whoever you work with, whoever you do business with, don't force something that doesn't work. Like don't try to, you know, what is it? The, the, the round something into square, the square peg. Or yeah. Something. yeah. Square, square peg in a round hole. Yeah. <laughs> square peg in a round hole. Like yeah. don't force it. Don't try to like partnerships, for example, extremely powerful, but don't force it. If that partnership doesn't align with your values and your views. Like, that's what I would say, because you're going to realize really fast that that relationship can go south, especially when money starts getting involved. So having those conversations with whoever you work with, whether it's a partner or a team, that has to all be up front. I'm a big have the hard conversations right away out in the open because you don't want to have those later and it can get ugly. I would say that's probably the biggest thing I took from the Falcons because they were run really well. And the culture was big there. And if you can have, if you can bring that energy to anything you bring in life, you're going to set yourself up for success. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, culture is huge, right? If they don't, if you don't want to be there and nobody in the organization wants to be there, how is that going to be successful at all? And and I think like you exactly. said too, is like having those hard conversations, like that's, that's a part of maturity and growing up. Like, you, you know, if you're in a, a in a, a situation or a relationship or whatever, and you're not having those hard conversations, it's just going to build up, and then it's going to eventually blow up in one big final, you know, uh, flare of of you know disappointment. Um, exactly. And, but everyone has to learn that phase. You have to go through and learn it, and 
sometimes you don't even know what the conversation to have is, right? And it's at, at least it's just sort of like start it, have it. And like, you know, as long as both parties, all parties are uh, the present, then, you know, certainly you'll accomplish something and you'll decide, hey, here's how we pivot or, hey, you know, we're, we're forcing a square peg in a round hole at this point. Like, let's, let's, you know, we tried this part ways that is what it is, but. Um, exactly. It, it's in yeah. like, for, for me, like for, for my friend, obviously, you know, he was my friend, so I already liked him, but it's totally different when you get into a business arrangement with them. And, you know, we were going into it thinking, oh man, this is going to work. We're going to make this amount of money. And when that didn't happen, there was some contention, but we had already established like, you know, how we view this. Like we, we both were all in, right? It wasn't like, oh, this doesn't make money. Screw this, screw you, blah, blah, blah. Like that wasn't it at all. Right. But when things started going south, we totally could have, um, things, it could have went bad. The, you know, the partnership could have broken apart, whatever. So that's why, we had those conversations about, Hey, what do you, what do you want to get out of this? Like, what are, what is your expectations? How do you like, let's say, for example, something doesn't go right. How do you want to handle that? You know, are you prepared to come out of pocket with X amount of dollars? If something has worked, we had those conversations and thankfully we did because it went South and we were like, instead of finger pointing, we were like, let's figure out how we're going to maneuver this and get to the finish line. Because that's the only option. There's no, uh, there's no, I quit. I don't want to do this anymore, whatever. So if you, if you ask my partner right now and you ask me and you say, Hey, if you could go back, would you change how it happened? I mean, sure. I'd like to get some of that money back, but I actually wouldn't change anything because we learned so many things from the mistakes, like so many things from one deal, all the mistakes we made learned so much. I promise you mistakes are still going to happen, but this next one is going to be uh, a totally different picture, totally different picture. We might still face hiccups, but that's part of the game. Um, So that's why like we're, our mindset is we're going to do this anyway, win or lose. We're going to still keep going. You could, you could look at that project and say it was a little bit of a loss because we lost money, but to us it was, it was an opportunity for us to get better at, investing at at a you know at this game of real estate so culture and expectations huge huge for setting that whether you're on a team or a partner you said a lot of good things right there um i want to touch on two of them one of them i like about what you about you in general is like you've yet to say that you regretted doing anything you've done and i i think that everything you you said like i don't regret anything i did like i'm glad i did it and I, I love that point of view and I love that perspective because one, if you sit there and you know regret what you did, you're not going to be able to change it. And that's just stressing and worrying about things, something that you can't you know change at all is just not good for you. And two, it's just a solid perspective to have because like, it's a learning perspective. It's a learning mindset and that's how you grow. So yeah, I don't know. I'm not trying to give you kudos and like a teacher, but yeah, I mean, that's an awesome perspective to have. Like, like really no regrets is awesome. Um, and then, yeah, like to, I love the the what I've got out of your culture itself was like fall back on your culture, like when when the when the expectations and when, or when the when the end result doesn't go the way we planned and we spent you know more money than we wanted to and it took longer than we we expected like we had these conversations we talked about this stuff we knew like if it goes south here's what we're gonna do 
and you were able to fall back on your culture. You know, you built this culture from the start. You had your expectations set, and then when it went south, you're able to fall back on that. One thing I'll touch on, and I won't go too far into it, but I'll say there's some franchises out there that are so deprived on winning that when winning doesn't happen, it becomes a toxic relationship and within the culture. You know, from whatever it is, from players to coach, coach to, to GM and front office, you know, whatever relationship it is. When when you're so, it's so when the when the mood and the culture is so conditional on winning in sports, I guess is the for this when it's so conditional on like what we're trying to get done. If it, and then that doesn't happen, and everything goes south, and now we're being now it's toxic. Like that's just that's a sign of not a good foundation, not a good culture. And like, it looks pretty mm-hmm. when you're winning, mm-hmm. right? And it's all, everybody's laughing, giggly and, you know, high fives left and right, but you lose and you look around and you're like, Oh shit. Like <laughs> this isn't what I thought it was. Right. And so like, I think that's right. awesome that you got it. You got to build that from the start. And that way when things don't go the way you expect and you're able to fall back on what you, what you built it off of. 100%. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I just take bits and pieces of people who've, been in positions like this before and I just try to take the positive route because I think to go the other way just waste more time um I really like Grant Cardone I think he said in the interview a lot of people like him but I I like a lot of the stuff he says because he's just not sugarcoating stuff and I like that he says I think he said in the interview that he said everything is my fault like that's the mentality he he took on and when he did that it like saved him so much time on like dwelling on, Oh, that person wronged me or I didn't get that opportunity because of this and whatever. When he really like, like, so literally the, this is kind of twisted, but when that general contractor screwed us and we didn't whatever, I was like, dude, it's my fault. I freaking decided to invest in Detroit. Like that's what I get for it. But you know what? I'm going to keep it going. Like, you know, like, you know, I now obviously like, that the mentality is, is really just to to make it so that you keep going. You you stop finding excuses to not push forward. So obviously not everything's my fault, but really I'm always looking at an opportunity where I'm either wronged or something goes wrong and I'm like, well where where did I go wrong in that? And I and I try to self reflect and I think that's really the thing that you have control of. Um so if you if you do if you're not looking for an opportunity in that kind of wrong or in, in the mistake or things like that, you're missing a true opportunity to grow and just kind of excel in a better way. Next go around. Yeah. I think that's a leadership trick is, uh, you know, accepting accountability for, for things. You don't necessarily need to say that you are the, you know, you're the, the CEO, the president, the coach, you know, head coach, but it's a, it's a leadership trait to say like, yes, I've accepted, you know, here's the outcome, you know, based on the circumstances, you know, here's how, even if I'm, you can lead by example or, or lead from behind, right? Just like, Hey, we messed up, let's fix this. And, you know, a, a culture can rally around that, um, whether you are that, that lead point uh, to begin with, but um, it's, it's exactly. a massive, massive growth uh, maturity level. Yeah. Um, it sounds like he read. It sounds like he read the book "Extreme Ownership" uh, by Jocko Willink, because that's what that book's all about. It's like from the top down. Just oh, like, really? Oh man, it's 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 extreme, like like the title is. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's like as a CEO, he says like if a if a lower person below me, you know, messed up at whatever level, however low they are on the totem pole, or whether they're right below me or way down there, like it's my fault that I didn't teach them or prepare them well enough to be successful in what they were doing. 
and yeah, it can be extremely, uh, like a little, it can be extreme, I guess, is the way to put it. Like, yeah, maybe it's not like actually your fault, but if you have the mindset of like, yeah, I didn't prepare the guy that was supposed to teach him well enough to get his job done, or I didn't teach him properly in order to go out there and be successful in what he was going to do. And you have that mindset, then you're always going to be looking to get better than yourself. But yeah, that's a solid book. Uh, I know not to touch on books yet, but um, if you're a reader, uh, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink, man, it, it, it goes into a, a, he's a military background. So he touches on his, his military career and kind of like uses his real world examples in military. And then puts him mm. in like business, business experiences, like how you can apply this. And, or he goes, he's a consultant now. So he goes to businesses and, and military and combines them and tells you like, okay, like this is, like a lesson on what you can do better at. And yeah, man, it's probably like, I don't read much. I've started to read more, but I read that one in college and probably one of my favorite books I've read. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I'm almost, I, I didn't read that book, but I'm, I'm, I agree with that. Like if you're the CEO, the owner of the company and someone below you, like, yeah, like how, how what, what didn't you implement? What systems and protocols that did you not put into place that they should be following to help set them up for success. I mean, I, I, I agree with that totally almost, but yeah, yeah. Good stuff. it is a pure culture thing. You know, um, <clears throat> people can rally around that, which is how, how else would you do it? Um, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. so I want to do something, uh, sort of like a bigger pockets, you know, deal deep dive. But like talking hmm. about your burn in Detroit and, and how did you put that together? You know, we, we know you reached out to the, to the guy, but the one thing that's um, really love about your story is you already mentioned it. Like you're going to, you're going to be paying student loan debt until the day you die. Right. And still somehow you found a way to scrape, scrape some money together and invest in a property and, uh, and, and still to like, and then you ran into hiccups and you still found a way to get over these hurdles however much money it was that you had to continue to put in. Uh, you had these expenses. I'm sure, you know, if you had hard money, like your hard money came due and it's like, how do we pay for that? You know, can we do a, a dive de- uh, like talk about some numbers? Like, yeah. you know, maybe, you know, what was purchase price? Uh, what was your deposit? Like, how did you, how did you structure your deal? And, and let's, let's go that route. Yeah. So, um, so actually the guy we shadowed, <laughs> had a lot of properties and he basically was like, I see you guys are serious. I may have a property for you if you guys want it. It's it's not in great shape, but if you put some love into it, like, you know, I'm willing to sell it to you guys. So, you know, my friend, he wasn't really the real estate guy. He was more so like, Hey, I want to get in real estate and I've got some money. Let's work together. And I was more of like, had the education behind real estate. I had already been operating as like a, a agent for some time. And, but had already been like following certain social media guys, taking a course, really like dove into different investment tactics. So he was like, yeah, I'll sell it to you guys for 80 or 90 something. Basically I did what anybody should do. I pulled comps of the same house, looked at what similar sold, same condition, got them down to, I think 80 K. And I basically was like, listen, we don't have ADK. We're just like two guys trying to just get our hands dirty, get into this game and like really start going, would you be open to seller financing? And I had to kind of explain it to him. But once I did, he was like, yeah, I think that could work. So basically what we did was we just put down 8K each, 16,000. And 
we told him we would pay him a thousand each month. And the goal was that we were going to have it renovated in six months <laughs> so that yeah. once we did the, what's called a Burr method where you buy, renovate, um, uh, rent it out, then refinance, you pull out your money and you pay off your rehab. And, you know, usually if you have a loan, you pay out the remainder, you pay out the, my dog's trying to get anything. You pay out the <laughs> remainder of, um, of, the home purchase. So when we finished, we were going to refinance. We saw that homes in that area were the ARV after repair value was anywhere between 230 to 300. And so we figured if we were all in um, 80K for the purchase, 80K or so for the rehab, 160. If you do, let's see, 75%. Of to let's say two thirty on the low end comes to one seventy two five hundred. That would have mean like maybe after fees, we would have like gotten six grand back. But that would have been like, hey, everything's paid for. We got six grand. We can put that towards the next property or into like the business account for that property. Nothing special. Yeah. But we ended up yeah, actually. Go ahead. So real quick, you just threw some stuff out there for, you know, those who should should understand is you chose 75% because that's 75% of the LTV loan to value, right? That's what a big bank yes. will um, lend you if you were to refinance out of the property that you own. And so that's where you exactly. came up with that so, 75% to pay it off. Exactly. So a bank, a bank will basically say like, they'll send in a, you'll go to them and say, Hey, I want to, a, a take a refinance this home they'll send an appraiser out and appraiser will give it a new value because it's now fixed up the bank will not give you a hundred percent of that but they will give you anywhere between 70 to 80 percent depending on the lender or the bank you're working with and it depends on if you have tenants in place they'll give you more if you have tenants in place because they see that there's a steady income coming in and you should be able to pay the mortgage note if you don't have tenants, yeah. they'll give you less. Anyways, what ended up happening, our contractor took way longer, bailed on us. He let us on thinking that he was going to do stuff. It went way too long. We ended up probably, man, I don't even know. I, I, I truly haven't done the math on how much total total we have spent because I didn't want to go into deep depression. But we probably were all in like, probably were all in like 200. So we probably went like 30 to 40K, 50, maybe almost even 50K over what we were going to be all in before. Now, the beautiful, yeah. the not the beautiful thing, but the, the saving grace was that it appraised for 300K. So like way more than we thought it was going to appraise for. Yeah. And we were able to pay off the rehab loan, pay off the home, the original purchase price, but we had to pay off a bunch of more debt. So realistically we could have had like, I mean, we ended up catching out like two twenty, two fifteen, after, and then after fees down to like two Oh five. And then we had to pay off all the extra debt, credit card, business credit card debt. So like realistically, if things would have went well, and it would have went on time, we potentially could have had like 50, 60 K 
yeah. like an extra cash split, after yeah. everything was paid off. Yeah, split between yeah. me and him, which would have been incredible. Yeah. So like that but is literally how a, a perfect deal is supposed to go when you when you do it, which we thought it was going to be if we would have had the right guy in place. Didn't go that way. And obviously yeah. that's where we are now. But that was the numbers. So the thing that sucked though during you know because it was delayed, we were paying the 1000 to him, but we were also paying the carrying costs to the hard money lender for the rehab money we borrowed, which came out to be like 1200 too. So me and him out of pocket each month, we were paying for like, not even kidding you, like a year, almost a full a year. Yeah. Like a year and three months, a thousand, like 1100 bucks each extra yeah. on top of all our other bills. Like, yeah. Like my mortgage, my bills, paying for stuff yeah. that I everyday expenses, we were shelling out an extra eleven hundred bucks, and and that's not including all the other money we had to come out of pocket to just get the rehab stuff done. So it really was just like such a sucky experience because when things don't go well, you have to be prepared for like these additional expenses that can just come out of nowhere. So like you think, oh, I just I have ten grand to invest. I'll partner with somebody or I'll do whatever. It's like, honestly, you have to give yourself more cushion than you think. Yeah. Reserves will save you. Reserves will save a deal or even, you know, in certain scenarios will will save something that's not a deal. and at least makes you, you know, limps you along to the finish line until you can refinance out or or sell it and, and, you know, uh, ante up at the end there. Right. Um, Right. So reserves is important. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, something I wish I would have thought about prior to, but we just didn't have a choice. We were just like, well, okay. You know, had had to tell wife, you know, she can't, uh, can't get (laughs) her hair and nails done as much. Uh, so that didn't go over well. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but yeah. But a ton of learning experiences for you, right? Like that, you can't even put a dollar price on that because, for the next yeah. 50 years, if you continue down this path, that, that knowledge will compound into, you know, the, the, the value that you take that you can apply it on all of your future deals. Totally. 100%. Yeah. Awesome. Appreciate you sharing that because, you know, not everyone is, is willing to share a, a, a tough story like that. And, uh, but again, it's like the mature conversation that, you know, why we're glad we have you on here is that you're willing to, to go through it with us. So for sure, for sure. Um, and it hasn't deterred you um, because, uh, you know, at the, where I'm, when, when we met at the Tyke summit, you know, we met another guy, this dude, Colin, um, you know, we all, we all hit it off, chatted it up and, and um, stayed in touch. And, and you guys have done a deal with that um, since then as well. Um, so like, you're still pushing forward and, and that's, you know, the two points there is like, you're pushing forward. You didn't let it stop you. But like the net, the power of networking is you found another investor in Detroit for a, another mm-hmm. deal and, and other um, avenues to, to push you forward on your goal. Um, which mm-hmm. like you guys, yeah. Proud of you guys for doing that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know, sometimes you don't have to like be in a full partnership or like, uh, you know, form an LLC with people. Sometimes you're just like, Hey dude, let's do one deal together. And if it goes well, we'll just keep it going. It's not like, Oh, I'm in business with you forever. Like sometimes you just got to do a deal, 
figure each other out, like see if it works. If it doesn't, guess what? You can part ways. Um, I would say that's, that's probably the, the biggest thing. I think a lot of people want to like, be like, Hey, I'm starting a partnership with my friend and we created an LLC and we're in business together and blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, don't <laughs> jump into that. Like make your own LLC, do your own thing. You guys give it a test trial, go from there and, and see what happens. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the nice thing about like going these things and networking. Sometimes you guys, you might just align with people and be like, you want to do a deal? Like you're a cool guy. Let's do a deal together. Cool. That Like that's how the conversation starts. Yep. That, yeah. That's the important thing is, is a JV, a, a joint venturership is like you guys can sign a contract where you'll do a deal together, a similar line of business. And it's how you protect both of your, you know, your own personal uh, aspect uh, assets and, um, and even your business assets, you know, but, but it is a way to partner and even potentially um, form a, a, a large, you know, even a, even a business down the road or whatever, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, man, so many different ways and, and seller finance. We'll have to have another episode where we talk about that because like, that's going to be a, a massive way to take down deals here in the, in the near future. And, um, people that you and I have, have connected with are, are, that's literally what they're doing right now. And, and we'll have to uh, mm-hmm. talk about that, but, um, let's start closing it up, man. We, we stole a lot of your time. Really appreciate you. And I, I don't want to, um, <clears throat> keep you for too oh, long. No worries. There's still some daylight where you are, but uh, over here on the East Coast, we're, we're getting a little getting a little dark here. Um, yeah. But so we do like a, uh, a, a, you know, listen to your heart and a freezing cold take type of thing. So like, um, you know, I threw this question together um, just kind of on the spot. I just wanted to know your thoughts. But for the freezing cold take, if smartphones were never invented, do you think you could survive without it if it were never going to be invented? Does that question make sense? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, man, I, I, I definitely think I could survive just because I have the personality to like actually go out. I think when you don't have something like a smartphone that like takes a lot of personality out of communication, you know, texting and email and whatever, like, I know I'm going to go out there. I'm going to talk to everybody if I have to, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like that, but that's just my personality. So that's why I think I survive. Like I go out and network or, wheel and deal or if i got a bar barter you know like they did in the olden days like <laughs> i'm definitely surviving like i'm i'm getting something and if you're not speaking up dude i'm taking whatever you were going to try to go for just because like you know doggy dog style so i think i survive um it would be it would be tough but like my mindset i'm one of these guys who's like this was me in college too i don't I don't understand how people wait for at a bus stop. Like it's, <laughs> this is really weird. This is really weird. And this might be a horrible take. There's a really horrible take, but if I have to get somewhere, I'm either walking there or I'm riding a bike or whatever. Like, I, I, like obviously no car, like I'm going to find a way to get there by like moving myself. But like, I, I see like people wait at bus stops for so long and I'm like, and I know they're only going like two miles, you know what I mean? Like granted, if you're going like super crazy far, yeah, you got to wait for a bus. But like I used to see in college, like kids going to the same class I was going to and I'd see them waiting at the bus stop. I'm like, dude, you could have woke up like 10 minutes earlier and just started walking or you could have like <laughs> bought a little huffy bike and got to class like 
way faster. You wanted to just wait there and like just wait. Like I'm not a guy who's like trying to wait for stuff. I'm like, dude, I'm going. Like I'm just I can't I can't waste time on that. So I don't know if that example is just a horrible take or not even a good example, but that's like a description of me with this scenario that I'm just I'm just going out there. Like I'm not gonna wait for someone to come like pass by and be like, Hey, I hope you can help me out. I'm gonna go find that person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's a fire take, man. I uh I can I can resonate with that. Um one hundred percent. Like it's very proactive. It's go go go, um, and yeah. Like, dude, I'm in I'm in New York City here, and it's like, <clears throat> if I, uh, you know, we have local trains and we have express trains, and it's like, my mentality is like, you could sit like, and sometimes you know the local trains will hit every stop. The, the express trains will hit some of them, but it's sort of like I'm catching that next train because you never know what's going to slow you up, what's going to stop. There could be delays or whatever. It's like catch that. I'm going to go one stop past where I was supposed to, and I'm going to walk. Like, I'm going to walk up two more blocks. It's just like the mentality is just go. Make See, it happen. I, I wish I wish I lived in a city that was like as transit as, you know, transient as New York. Like, I'm Portland's fairly small, but it's like, man, I wish there was better. If there was better stuff like that, I'd be waiting for better public transportation. Cause I actually think I hate driving just cause I feel like I already waste so much of my life in traffic. I'd rather. Yeah be waiting for a good transportation system um so yeah i get your point yeah yeah man that's but i love that take that's 100 percent. like definitely didn't see it coming <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's a good take man uh um, i appreciate it yeah all right let's jump into the final segment here um nice. and so this is kind of like uh the same way bigger pockets does it we ask the same questions to every guest and um, just kind of want to know, you know, what, what are your answers? So um, sure. first question first question is, what's your favorite book, either fiction or nonfiction or both? What's your favorite song and what's your favorite movie? <sighs> Man, favorite book. Honestly, now I read like if I read books or listen to books, they're all like educational or business stuff like that. I wouldn't say any of them are my favorite. They just teach me stuff and I, that's cool. But I, if I have to say like my favorite book that like I last read that literally dropped me into a world where I was like, if this was real, this would be the most incredible thing ever. It was ready player one. Like that was one of those books where I thought the mo- the movie did a decent job, but I'm like, to me, that seems like it's very possible in the future. And if you could create a world like that, like that would blow my mind. Um, and, and oh, I'm yeah. not a fantasy book or a nonfiction book type guy. I don't like need to get lost in like another world, but that is the last book that I like truly was like sucked into that world. And I thought it was an incredible book. Um, yeah. Song, man, song. There's so many songs. <laughs> There's so what's many on? songs and yeah. What's your, what's your top pick? of today then but we'll make it easy for you i i maybe i'll say um you know i I hate to say but there's there's a song on drake's new album where he literally you know i give him a lot of credit because people just try to trash him because he's just like he's an easy target but he does he he made this song and the verse was or the chorus goes like 
people ask me why I can't rap like that same old guy. And he says, like, I just don't know how anymore. Like, I don't know how. And I think it's kind of like a funny, like, satire that he's like, people want him to rap like his old self or whatever. And I think I've had this conversation with friends a lot. A lot of, we tend to put these artists into a box and we're like, hey, we like what you made, only make that. And we don't allow them to grow. We don't allow them to be versatile. And I think that's the worst thing ever. So for me to avoid being super cynical as I get older and miserable, I really truly look at each project as its own project and everything new that they come out with as something totally separate that they've done. And it's allowed me to really be accepting of projects that are good. Um, it just may not be the same as what they did before. And that's okay. Cause I've totally done that in the past where I was like, dude, this album sucks. And then I go back and listen to it as I get older. And I'm like, that was actually a good album. It just wasn't like their previous stuff, you know? Yeah. So I like, um, I like some, some of the new songs on Drake's album. Cause he's really does a really good job at poking fun at like saying like, dude, if you want that go back and listen to that but that's not i don't know how to do that anymore because this is what i do now you know what i mean and i like yeah that. yeah that's a true artist like just perfecting for you know, sure all the different aspects all, all you know new new waves um and uh that that's amazing and staying that relevant pick, and staying relevant yeah with the times right and, and that's amazing that you picked that because i just finished this book called the creative act by rick rubin and um mm. and that's something oh, yeah. that i've yeah, that's a good one. And um, he actually talked. He has a you know he does a lot of talks about a lot of different uh, chap, uh, a lot of different topics and a lot of different different character traits. Um, and it's obviously about artists specifically, um, <clears throat> but he does talk about that specifically. It's like when an artist does something today, and then five years from now, it's something very different. It's like, and you will that's you'll still have that same loyal following of those who just understand you and your art. And then some will drop off. You pick up some new ones. But like that is the true form of art is just doing what you love. And, you know, you'll, you're not doing it for anyone else. You're, you're, you're just doing it for the moment for, for the art that it mm -hmm. is. Um, and mm -hmm. that's, that's what you made me think of. Like, that's amazing. And that's, that's what I've always attributed to like kid Cuddy is like, you know, he's had his ups and downs for sure. But like, you know, um, you know, uh, kid, uh, what is it? Man on the moon. Like he's done man on the moon too. And then he tried like a rock album and like, everyone's like, ah, oh, like they shit on his rock album. It's like, yeah, but he's, he's an artist. Like he's trying to perfect just, mm -hmm. just creating art for art. And I love that. Yeah. We, 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 we like to put people up and then tear them down when they don't maintain or something like that. And it's just, it's, it's super toxic. So I've, I've learned to, I get into fights with people about it all the time. And they're like, oh, this person's changed. They're not as good as blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, they're just not, that's not where they are in their career. And when you actually look at it and it's individuality, it's actually not a bad album. No, but it's, this old stuff is this and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, all right, man, well, you're just always <laughs> going to be disappointed and miserable. And I, I'm just choosing to like, not go that route because that. I, I'm telling you, and this is with movies too. You will literally like the urge to be more cynical is so hard to fight off because you're going to be the guy in the movie like that's not real. That story was stupid <laughs> or blah, blah blah. It's like it's a movie, bro. It's a movie. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just shut up and enjoy your popcorn and just know it's a movie. It there they had it's not real. There's going to be some level of whatever, and that's just like becoming harder and harder 
as we get older and older. So I'm constantly fighting that off. And, and I try to remind myself to just enjoy the experience, enjoy that you get to listen to it. You get to somebody even made, made that movie or made that song and, you know, wanted to share it with you. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, all right, man. So lead into the favorite movie. You said before you're a big movie guy, so you got to have a favorite oh, movie, Oh, man. Right? You know what? <laughs> yeah, there's so many. I, you know what's funny? I think I have such a long list that I don't think I ever, ever truly ever had a favorite movie. But I will say the one that made the biggest impact on me was a movie I watched in high school. It was in debate class, and it was called 12 Angry Men. And it's all about this one guy or this guy who's on trial for committing murder. And it's like seemingly the evidence is so clear. All 12 guys in the jury think he's guilty, except for one guy. The 13th guy is like, hold on a second. Like, are you sure it's super cut? And the whole movie is him like slowly convincing each guy that maybe it's not as clear cut as they think. And I just remember thinking that like the odds and the audacity for this guy to like not go along with the group and to be like, no, I don't think it's as clear cut as you think. Like there is some doubt. And for him to like put in the effort to try to fight for this guy that he didn't know, and slowly convince everybody to get him an innocent verdict and whatever. I just thought that was one of the most incredible movies that like made me think like, man, you have the power to convince if you're passionate enough and potentially you feel you're right. Like you can really, you can go against some crazy odds and, and get people to believe in what you have to say. And I always thought that was a pretty powerful movie. Yeah. I think, I think that just is touching like, you got to believe in yourself first. Like he believed in what he thought was right. And that that's how you get people to believe in you. If you, if you're out there trying to make 12 other dudes, like follow your idea, your thought process, and you don't even fully believe in it yourself, you're not going to win that battle. Exactly. So that, I mean, I haven't exactly. seen it yet. I think I've seen it on like, you know, streaming platforms and whatnot, on like the title and not, but that sounds like a they good may one. Have just... remade it. They may have remade it, but I would watch the Peter Fonda one because the classic yeah. black and white is just is just amazing. They may have remade it. I don't and called it a different name, but I'm not really sure. But that's I would watch the classic one if you ever get a chance. Sounds good. I yeah, appreciate the the tip there. Um, I've yeah. heard of the I've heard of it as well. It's obviously like critically acclaimed, and uh, but yeah, I haven't watched it yet. So um, it's now on the list because your, your synopsis the there. <laughs> Your synopsis there yeah. uh, sold me on it, but um, uh, all right, man. So what's for sure? We got two more questions. We'll keep it real simple here. Sure. We'll save the longer one. But um, what's a hobby you're doing right now? What's a, what's a pursuit you're on? Um, is it real estate, or do you have anything else you want to share? Yeah. So, like, real estate is is definitely something I am always going to be focused on, but really. The biggest thing I've been focusing on is is tech and software, and um, a lot of it just comes with my experience with working with CRMs and things like that, and not being happy with the product that you get. So I partnered with somebody to really build like a, a CRM system that a small business can really just, if they wanted to start a business tomorrow, all they would need is this system, 
So that's kind of a passion project that I am actually working on because I, I do find joy in um, helping other people mm-hmm. succeed. So the goal of this software would be really to just me as a business consultant come in and help uh, small businesses identify their weak points, their pain points, and, and help them excel um, because I've utilized this system where I work now and it works amazing. So I'm like, how do I implement this into other places and make it a, a potentially like a career or a small business itself? So that's really what I've been doing is, is the software SaaS software as a service type business. Nice. That sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah. CR, CRMs can make or break an entire business model. I was about to say, I've dealt with the CRM or two, and some of them can be painful. <laughs> it's really only as good as you use it, but some of them don't make them fun to use. They just suck. So I've gone through a bunch of different ones, and yeah, it's it's really trying to make it user-friendly, and I think the system I'm, I'm kind of creating is super user-friendly, and we'll see what happens. Maybe it'll take off. Maybe it won't. We'll see. Yeah, I'm hoping it All does, right. man. Um, Thanks, I guess man. the last question we have for you is, uh, is kind of where can people find you after trying to follow you, what you're doing with it, whether it's real estate or your hobby, whatever it is, just um, social media platforms, whatever it is, just throw out your handles for people to to follow along and see what you're see what you're up to. Yeah, honestly, I haven't been posting as much, but I definitely plan to. But there's still a couple, a lot of content of some videos I made on my Instagram. It's at the real. Tyler Schuster and my last name is S C H U S T E R. So at the real Tyler Schuster, um, the name of the software company I'm starting it is called Win Win Agency. So it's like when we win, you win. Oh, so yeah. it's kind of like we thought that was a good name. Um, and I don't know, do we have an Instagram for that? That's a great question. I think we do, but it's just now getting started. Um, yeah. you could type in win, win. Yeah. It's called join, win, win. Our, our Instagram handle is called at join, win, win. And it has our website and stuff like that. So yeah, awesome, that's man. where you we'll, find we'll, me. Awesome, man. We'll throw those in the show notes. For sure. For sure. <laughs> cool. Dude. So it was, uh, like we said, two hours pretty much here on the dot. So it's been great having you on here, uh, hearing you know most of your story. We didn't talk about Cabo, but um, we'll, we'll have to go into that and, and we'll some other stories. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like Ryan said, we got to we'll, we'll get we got to get you back on here and talk about uh, you know your experience with uh, with the NFL and the Falcons, and um, there's sure. a lot to learn from that. But uh, like I said, I mean, it was a Definitely. pleasure and, and really glad we had you on here. Mm. Yeah, no, guys, it, this two hours actually flew by, so it's <laughs> it's fun to talk about stuff, talk about what's talk about what's going on, and as you can see, I'm kind of a talker, so happy we to like. chat it up and and, <laughs> and and talk about stuff like this. And look, I'm sure next time I come on, I'll be learning some stuff from from you guys, and I learned some stuff today. I mean, that extreme ownership, I'm definitely going to look into that book. Um, but always happy to hop on a call and. and chat it up yes sir man it's awesome meeting you uh finally getting you on and yeah getting to know sure. you, but that's awesome man